Well, good morning. It's, uh, it's a great privilege to be with you this morning. We've had a great couple of days together here. We thank you for hosting us and uh, for putting on a real amazing play, uh, show with all the great feed and food. And gee, you guys live in paradise, as my wife says. We are based in Denver, Colorado. Don't blame me for that. That's where the Lord put us, and uh, we love it. It's a pretty place, but there's something about this place. Every time I come here, I'm like, Lord, just confirm what I want to happen, and, but He's yet to do that. So you're blessed that God hasn't called me here, but we are, I don't think it's big enough for Marco and me. But I, I do just want to say thank you, as Nicole said, for our partnership and friendship. And we love that we get to be friends in this. It's not just some mission we're on and hope we get there. There's this friendship and partnership and relationship. How many know the gospel is very relational? The whole of Jesus coming to this earth was to restore relationship back with God. And everything in the gospel is about relationship. So we can't do this alone. We're not called to do it alone. He puts all these different personalities together. And we know we wouldn't choose it like that. I'm sure we all choose people we like, who look like us, act like us, speak like us, dress like us. Uh, but God puts a whole bunch of everybody together and says, I want to do something significant that represents the bigness of what he's doing, the nations and all generations. And so I just want to say there's some of that here, and we are delighted that we're friends in this. Uh, we don't take this lightly. Preaching the Word of God for me is one of my highest privileges, and I take it very seriously. And I do just appreciate the invitation from the eldership team here. Uh, we come in to honor what God's doing here, to speak into what God's doing here, to help build what God's doing here. But we come in submission, and through the leadership here, we honor local church eldership, and uh, we realize this is a lampstand, you know, and uh, God's doing something here. So well done to you guys. I, nice to be in your new facility. I was here last time, and we were across there, and the time before across there, but Marco showed me a bit of the dream here, and I was like, well, good luck with that. I hope it works out, and here it is. Uh, so well done. It was more than a dream. It was a reality. But well done to everyone involved. And we know God's not in buildings. He doesn't dwell in buildings. Uh, it's not about a building, but this is a great tool for the task. And you've really done a great job with us. So everyone who played a role in it, well done. It's for long term, I'm sure, for beyond us. We build for long term, right? It's not just for us while we're here. We're trying to build for generations to come. But it's good to be with you. If you've got a Bible, I'm going to ask you please to turn in it to anywhere you would like. How about that? <laughs> I'm only joking. Would you go to First Thessalonians chapter 1, please? And uh, what I'd like to do this morning is talk to you, if I may, just around this thing of what is the focus of a church that God would favor. I realize that could switch many of you off when I say something like that because there's so much bad teaching out there about the favor of God. But I want to tell you there is something of the favor of God that God is about here. And when God's doing His thing, how many of you know it's wonderful to be a part of it? I do think as believers, as the church, too often we're doing our thing and we're hoping God's in it. We're all about our dream and we claim it's a God dream. But, but God has a dream and God has a plan. And God's looking for His people to get on board with what He's doing Amen. rather than do their thing and trust that He's in it. And we've been through a crazy season. I, I realize that. It's been one of the most craziest seasons ever, for, certainly for me and I think for the majority of us, through this crazy time that we're going through around the world. And uh, what I want to say to you is this. Please don't be distracted by what God's not doing because you're not able to see what God is doing. I've listened, I've watched, I've engage many people around the world and certainly in our great nation and church leaders and people and believers and it's like we're very distracted because we're trying to work out why God's not doing what we want Him to do. But I, I want to say this, don't be distracted by what He's not doing because we can't see what He is doing because He is doing things. Marco read Psalm chapter 1 and talked about all seasons and, and I love that picture. I struggle to think there's always fruit on the trees but what I do know that every season God's in. Every season, God's in. When we bear fruit and everyone can see it and when we don't, every season, God's in. And what we got to do as God's people is be a little more uh, connected to what God's doing, a little more open to hearing what God's doing, a little more maybe Him opening our eyes to be able to see what He's doing. And, and I'm just going to be honest, in these last three years, I was so frustrated with everything. 
And believe it or not, we get frustrated too. I was frustrated with the church. I was frustrated with the church leaders. I was frustrated with our government. You heard about that? I mean, we not, don't be silent now because we are loud on social media. So come on now. I've read some of your posts. <laughs> Texas, I realize you want to be your own, but you cannot leave us. We need you, Texas. Don't leave our country. We need you. Sorry, that's a joke. Well, we do, but let's move on. So don't be distracted. Are you distracted? Don't be distracted. In Proverbs 29, 18, and we're going to get to this text. Relax, Ryan. We'll get there. <laughs> Proverbs 29, 18 says this. Where there is no revelation, the people perish. The NRV, says where, NRV version says, where there is no... Uh, uh, where there is no... Oh, sorry, where there is no vision, the people perish. The NRV says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Eugene Peterson's version of the message says, when people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what God reveals, that's where they're most blessed. Don't be distracted by what God's not doing, because we're not able to see what God is doing. And through this incredibly crazy season of all that's gone on, a lot of good has gone on, because God has dealt with some stuff. God's brought His American church back to what God wants His American church to be, which would include us in this room this morning. And one of the things I've learned through this season is this. I'm big on mission. For me, mission is the call. It's all about living for purpose and mission. And, and we'll share a bit of that, I'm sure, this morning. But this is what I've also realized. While God, while he got us, He's got us on mission, we are also His mission. God is working on us as the people of God, as He's working through us. We are His mission while we are on His mission. He's working on you while He wants to work through you. And He's committed to both as equally. In other words, He wants you and I as His people, as the church, to mature, to grow up and become all He's called us to be so Jesus can come back to this bride without spot, wrinkle and blemish. And so He's as committed to working on us as He is to reaching those who have yet to be reached. And he's not going to negate one of them for the other. He's going to work on all of this. And so my frustrations in this season of why, Lord, and where's the church, and where the leader, and I feel like God's saying, I'm working on them and on you, Tyron, as I am working through you because I want to, they both are the things I'm committed to. So don't get frustrated with the people around you. Don't, don't get mad at this stuff. God is working on you, friend. And while He works on you, He's working through you. So focus on what God's doing rather than get frustrated with what you're doing. Is that all right? If you want a biblical reference, read the book of Jonah and you'll see exactly what I'm saying. God called Jonah and He said to Jonah, Go to the city of Nineveh and preach against it. Jonah chapter 1 verse 1. And for a chapter and a half, Jonah's running away from God. And then chapter 3, verse 1, it says, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, and go to the city of Nineveh and preach against it. Guess what? Same call, same command, same commission, just a different man who got sorted out as God worked on him so God could work through him. <laughs> so could this crazy season that we've been through have God allowed us and God to work on us to get us back to what God's about. <laughs> this is a quiet church. And you Texans, come on, everything's bigger and better. Let's hear it, bro. And your food is at another level. Your barbecue, my goodness. Anyway, don't let me get distracted. I'm getting distracted. God's working on us. God's working on you, friend. God's working on this congregation. God's working on this church. God is working on His church. So we can be more effective as He works through us. I want to say, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. And I love His church. But do you know that you can love the church and not love Jesus? But you can't love Jesus and not love His church. 
I believe the church is not the center of God's plan. You're not it. Jesus is the center of God's plan. The church is not the center of God's plan. The church is not about people, which may offend some this morning, but let me just remind you, the church is not about people. The church is a people who are about Jesus, which is a very different emphasis, because if it's about people, with all due respect, it's all about me, us, what's in it for me? What am I going to get? What am I going to do? But when it's all about Jesus, it's a people saying, how can we make much of Jesus? What can we do for Jesus? How does it all fit around Jesus Christ? So the church is not the center of God's plan. However, let me remind you that the church is central to God's plan. Not the center of it, but we're central to it. What I'd like to do this morning is just talk about this church that I can see from Scripture, because I've got some great stories, friends. I really do, and I can blow you away with some stories. But to be honest, the stories are not what matters. It's the Word of God that matters more. And I'd love to tell you what I think about the church. I'd love to tell you what I think we should be doing. I'm an American now, and I'm opinionated. I'm just being honest. And I'm in Texas, so I can tell you what I like. Not mocking you, laughing because we live in a great country and we get to say what we want. Well, yeah, we get at this stage, but I'm not getting political. I'm living real. But stories are not enough. I think the church before COVID, if I can say this, many guys and people were attracted to the church by the preaching. And then we all were forced for a moment to go online and then everybody has access to any preaching anytime they want the best preaching and so i believe this season out of covid god's not looking for people to be attracted to preaching and preachers god wants the word of god to be an anchor that is spoken of that people can go from this place knowing the word of god invigorated to go read the bible for themselves and hear what god has to say not attracted to a preacher or a gift but a people who understand the word of god is the anchor anchor that holds us through the crazy times and so i want to tell you what the word of god has to say to us this morning about a church that god seemed to favor i'm not sure how big it is i listen i study it wasn't about size with all due respect it wasn't about the numbers it wasn't about the capacity it was simply about a people who focused on things that mattered and it would seem god favored those people now you can't earn favor you know that right because if you can earn favor it's not favor It's earned. But there are some things we can read from the Scripture here that show us of a people. If you focus on somebody, this church seemed to be focused on things that Paul wrote and highlighted about them, that God seemed to favor the church because. And I think we as a church this morning can take some of these truths and say, okay, not what does the eldership want and what does the region need and what does America want. What has God said? What's important to God? And what will help us carry the favor of God? Can't earn it, but you can walk in it. How many of you want the favor of God? Okay, put your hand down. Who doesn't want the favor of God? Well, many of you should put your hand up because I'm going to tell you about the favor of God. I think it says too many ask for favor and then turn around and expect favors from God. (laughs) The favor, God's favor doesn't always look like we think it does. It's not God, I want a favor, hook me up, I need this, you my Santa Claus in heaven is going to hook me up whenever I have any need, that's what the preacher told me, so here we go. It's not that at all. A lot of people ask for favor with God and turn around expecting favors from God. There's a big difference. I believe the favor of God in its simplicity is simply this, the guarantee of His presence and the provision of His power. The guarantee of His presence and the, uh, and the provision of His power. Doesn't stop there. Here we go. To accomplish His purpose Amen. in and through us and in and through our lives. The guarantee of His presence and the provision of His power. But not so we can be hooked up, but rather so we can fulfill the, the mission and the purpose that God's yes. given us. Are you there? Amen. Put your hand up if you want his, his favor. Absolutely. There's a, there's a cost to it. There's something called that we've got to walk in, not to earn it, but to walk in it. 
It's not ever, friends, intended for our convenience, but for His purpose. And it doesn't mean your life gets easier. Can I be honest and say, perhaps it means a little more difficult than most. It's not going to get easier. It's actually God's calling us to things that would seem impossible, that are very different to what the world's presenting, very different often to what the church presents. But what God wants us to do is going to be different, but He's given us favor to get it done. And I, I, I believe this church, the Thessalonica church, which is one of many we could have picked this morning, but every time I come here, I feel this is for this church. And you know, the, the, that church, the Thessalonica church, I've met so many people say, if only we lived in the book of Acts days or early church. How many, put your hand if you'd love to have lived in those days, because man, it must have been so much easier than today, right? <laughs> That's the understanding, like, gee, they didn't have whoever is in our White House today. They didn't have the restrictions we had. I mean, I'm, I'm not mocking this. We sometimes think, man, we got it really bad. If only we lived when Jesus was around. Yeah. And then you dare read when Jesus was around, what happened? I, I thank God I'm living today. It's a lot more difficult because it's a lot more do whatever you want and call it Jesus is in it. But let me tell you, the opposition and persecution we're facing today is nothing like what the Thessalonica church was. If they were doing what we're doing this morning, most of them would be locked up for it. It wasn't welcome to our city, another church. We're so happy to have you here. Yes, line up along the other. There was opposition, persecution. People were in prison. It was not an easy season, friend. And I say that because we're not in an easy season in our nation right now and in the world. And it's not going to get easier. And I'm not being a person of doom. Just read the Bible. But when dark gets darker, guess what happens? Light shines brighter. It has to from Scripture. (laughs) So this early church that we're reading about this morning was birthed in opposition, persecution. Yet God was able to use that church to have a great impact in that region and beyond. They carried something of the favor of God. So let's read what they carried. First Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in, the fa- in God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. Don't you love how they open their writing? Grace and peace to you. He's writing to the church, not the leader, not some guru sitting. The people, the people that matter, the church. Can you hear this this morning, friend? It's, we honor leadership, but God's not about leadership. He's about His people, Amen. the church. You all matter here. Verse 2. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayer. We continue to remember before our God and Father, look at this, your work produced by faith. What I've realized is that fear rises in the absence of faith. And there's been a lot of people gripped by fear because of the crazy times we're in and perhaps what lies ahead. Just turn on the news, even the Republican news, Fox News and CNN. I'm I'm, I'm I'm just, any news you want to turn it off and say, what is going on? Why are we here? This is nuts. Everything's falling apart. I just want to say, friend, don't be blasé to those things. But this I tell you, if you grip by fear, you cannot operate in faith. Fear rises in the absence of faith. And maybe some of us have been gripped by fear. Not just for that, for some reason. I just want to tell you, it's very hard to have work produced by faith if you're living in fear. And God highlights, Paul highlights this church, your work produced by faith. Some versions say how you put your faith into practice. I believe this is a season, if you came to this weekend, I preached yesterday about a, fee, a season, not just, faith to, not just faith to believe. Faith to believe is key and essential, but we also need faith to obey. Amen. A lot of people believe, but very few obey. God wants us to believe and obey. <laughs> okay. Um, and then he goes on and he says this. He says, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love. Now, I don't want to get stuck here, but can I just say, we haven't shown love to one another through this crazy season. The church has taken each other out globally and in our great nation too. And I'm not having a go. I'm just saying, guys, we've got to understand the strategy of the enemy is to divide everybody. 
And to be honest, this season caused us to get divided amongst, I don't like you, I don't like, I unfollow, I ex-follow, I defollow, I cut followers off on your social media. I'm not mocking. I mean, I get the social media thing, but it's a cesspool. There's a lot of bad stuff out there. It's not just TikTok. Honestly, it's everything. We just disliking each other and dissing each other and dis. And I was in there too. I had to stop. I felt the Lord say, "Pray before you post." Notice I haven't posted. Why? Because I don't need to post if I'm praying. I know you're going to get mad, but just hear me out for a minute. You know, I've said this. This really offends people. The social media may not have enabled the lame to walk, but it has helped the dumb to speak. Don't be offended. Just think. And so we laugh. Yeah, those dumb. No, we could be posting dumb things. Disliking and going political. And I'm not saying don't be political. I know that's, I'm just saying be careful what you're posting. We are called to have a labor of love. Show love when people hate us. Go after us rather than we anti you. God's not anti. God's for. Jesus didn't arrive and say, I'm against you and I'm anti. Jesus arrived and said, I stand for. Stand for something rather than against everything. Your labor prompted by love. And then he says, and your endurance. Endurance. How many have fallen out of the race in this season? Not stop going to church. Just turn their backs on God. And I'm not pointing fingers because it could happen to any one of us in this room. But what's caused people to not endure through the crazy season? Church shut down and things were shut down and people were opposed. And and now they disappeared, turned their backs. What happened, friend? Maybe they didn't understand what Paul's writing. Paul said, your endurance inspired by your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not in the church, not in the people, not in the ministry, not in your marriage, not in your children, not in your parents, not in the schooling, not in the government. Your hope is inspired by your, I mean, your endurance is inspired by your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm stating obvious truth this morning, but number one for a church that God highly favors is number one, the priority is Jesus Christ in everything. Oh, we know this tyrant, and Easter's coming up, so here we go to hear about Jesus. Not on Easter, day in and day out. Jesus has to be your focus. Let me ask you honestly, friend, how do you endure? How do you stay inspired? What motivates you? Who motivates you? And whatever that is, if it's not Jesus, I guarantee you will not stay the course through the seasons that are coming our way. I can stand up here and say, I'm I'm inspired by preaching. I'm inspired by ministry, church planting, nations, my family. That's not enough. Paul didn't write and say, your your hope, uh, your endurance is inspired by your hope in me, church planter Paul. No, no, Christ Jesus. Are you there? So, So again today, let me just say the stuff we've been through, shaking reveals what we are anchored to. And we've been through some shaking, and I think the foundation of the church in our nation has been exposed. We've had our faith in leadership, in people, in governments, in buildings, in ministry, in, but not in Jesus Christ. Now we can sort that out by bringing our revelation. Jesus Christ is the revelation that matters most. Now, you, I should get an amen there because this is mostly Christians here this morning. But I'm saying Christian doesn't guarantee that you actually have Jesus Christ as your foundation in everything. How do you endure? How do you stay inspired? Where's your hope come from? Hebrews 13 verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, pre-COVID, today, in COVID, and forevermore, whatever lies next. If you have your anchor in anyone other than Jesus, friend, you are guaranteed to not stay the course. And I think for too long as a preacher, we've allowed preachers to put faith in me and faith in this and faith in the building and faith in the... Faith in Jesus Christ. It's got to be. This region is full of people who tried church. And the problem is they tried church, but they didn't find Jesus. Fact. They tried church. This is a, like a big church community here. Not Lakeway, but Texas. Tried church. Oh, yeah, done that church stuff. Where was that mega ministry? Not anti-anything mega. Just is Christ being found in His people? <laughs> this is a church that's called to be a Jesus people. 
When they encounter you, they don't encounter great people. They encounter Jesus. When they meet you, they meet you. You reflecting Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church. Would you agree? We just Colossians chapter one, and it says that 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 he's been given the the first place in everything. Not not a place, first place, supremacy, first place. Not ornamental, fundamental. If he's ornamental, you know what happens? We take him and we fit him around us. And the church is really good at that. Okay, Jesus, I get the Jesus thing, so I'll add you to what I'm doing. You're not called to add him. He's been given first place. Not a place, first place. He's fundamental, meaning we fit around him, not he fits around us. (laughs) These are obvious truths, but if you focus on Christ for who he really is, God favors the people who make much of his son. And so he's the head of the church. I hope you agree with that. But can I also say he's not just the head and we're the body. We love that. He's the head, we're the heart. No, you're not the heart. We don't need your heart or my heart. We need his heart. So he's the head of the church. He's the heart of the church. He's also the hope of the church. We're not the hope of the nations. He is. Colossians 1.27. Christ in us, the hope of glory. We're not. He in us is the hope of glory. Would you agree with that? I hope so. So he's essential. Would you? It's not a tag on or add on. Or He is essential in all things. And we've got to keep coming back to the Jesus of the Bible. Not the Jesus of our American culture. First in everything. He's our head. He's our heart. He's the hope. You know what we are? Hands and feet. And last time I looked, these hands and these feet do what this head tells them what to do. Nowhere does my feet tell my head what to do. And I know that because I studied. I went to school. Am I right? Anyone who does biology here, am I right? It is, right? Your, head, your brain tells your body. It's not the... Anyway, just trust me. And here's what I want to say. Too many are trying to shine their lights publicly. But they don't burn for Jesus privately. Can't do that. He's not playing the game. Your passion in your own place is what people are seeing in the public place. Prayer of St. Patrick. May Christ shield me today. Christ with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ in me. Christ beneath me. Christ above me. Christ on my right. Christ on my left. Christ when I lie down. Christ when I sit. Christ when I stand. Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in every eye that sees me. Christ in every ear that hears me. There was the prayer of St. Patrick. That's becoming my prayer. I want people, when they think of me, they think of Jesus. When they think of this church, Hope Rock Church, they don't think of a great leadership and a great building. They think of Jesus. When they hear, that's got to be the testimony, friends. And I believe God favors that church. Let's read on, verse 4 of chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians. He says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you. So the first thing we see about a church that God favors is the priority is Jesus Christ. Secondly, your position. Now, now you've got to hear this this morning, because we love to tell the world how much God loves them. We love to tell the world that Jesus died just for them. We, and that's all true, but we don't know that for ourselves. We've become so good at telling others, we've lost the value for ourselves. I want to tell you this morning, God loves you, period. Amen. Not because you came to church this morning. I like you more because you're here. He doesn't care. He cares, but it's not because you're here that He loves you more. Those dudes out there or at the lake enjoying the sun today, He loves them as much as He does you. Blows my mind. God's love is so unconditional that He has no conditions to His love. Do you know that I, I've got two of my sons, my other, son, uh, other sons in, in Africa right now preaching, but three sons. I'm going to tell you this. I love my sons unconditionally. With conditions. I'm telling you, I love them more when they do what I want them to do. It's fair. And I'm a believer who's like, trying to be more like Jesus, but I'm not Jesus. I have conditions to my unfailing love for my sons. So we think God's the same. He's not. There's nothing you can do. And I don't know how to explain that. I wish I could. But know this this morning because Paul writes to that church and he says that God has called you. Loved by God and chosen. 
Now, would you choose you? Probably not. Would I choose me? Definitely not. But God loves us, and He loves us so much, He also called us and chose us. So you here, because He handpicked you, not because you're deserving, not because you're good or bad, just because He loved you. I want to tell you, Jesus would have come for every, any individual in this room. If there was one of you in this room this morning, and one person on the planet, my Bible tells me Jesus would have come just for you. So you are valuable. You do matter, not based on your attendance and based on who you've married and who you haven't married and the stuff you do for the Lord, those things do not equate value to Him. Amen. You are valuable because He came for you. Good. And we've got to understand that, guys, because I, I don't know most of you. There's a whole bunch of new people in this room. I sense there's some of you that come maybe ashamed from what you've been part of, maybe left badly. Well, I don't know. I'm just telling you, until you get that sorted out, you can't carry the favor of God. It's not okay to just leave it, but get it sorted out. You're not devalued by your job or the way you perform or the husband or the wife. Or God loves you. And I just get that in our skull. Paul writes that to the church and he says, loved and chosen. Not only are you loved, you're chosen. It's awesome to be loved, right? But then he chooses us. So many guys say, I found Jesus. Let me just tell you, you never found Jesus because Jesus was never lost. Here's what's awesome about this. He found you. That's even more amazing. And He chose you. Unconditional and unchanging love. Please let that break into your heart and into your mind this morning. It's not based on performance. See, therapeutic Christianity says, I am valuable, so God loves me. Biblical Christianity says, I am valuable because God loves me. Verse 5. He goes on, he says, because our gospel came to you, not simply with words. Words, yes, but not simply with words. Not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. So the third thing I believe that God wants the church to be focused on that carries His favor is a people of power. A people of His presence. Now, I realize this is very controversial, certainly in a region like this, but it shouldn't be if you know the Bible. And all I challenge us, not me, us to do is go back to the Bible and see what God has to say about the Holy Spirit. Not what you've been taught, not what we like. What does God have to say about the Holy Spirit? You're going to struggle, friends, in the New Testament to find any church operating in the call of God without God's power. You can't find that. There's more scriptures that back strange fire than no fire, but we're more comfortable with no fire than strange fire. And I'm not saying go after strange fire, but God said, Jesus said to His church, His disciples, wait to receive the gift. You can't operate in just authority. You need power. So do nothing till you receive power. Right? Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And you'll receive power and you'll be uh, witness of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Right? So it's in there. Acts 2, while they worshiping, the Holy Spirit comes. As promised. And everyone in that room, not the chosen few, not the preacher, not the leader. Everyone in the room was empowered. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Every person. Not a respecter of people. All of God's people. And then the church began to operate the way God. And what happened in the upper room changed the city, the regions, and the nations. Why? Because it's not an optional extra for deluxe Christians to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, I know this is offensive to some, but I'm asking us, why miss out on what God's called us to and promised us if we don't go back to the Word of God? I don't judge the people who've taught you. I judge the theology we've been taught. Because I've been taught some stuff too, like the Holy Spirit is not needed and we don't need Him today. Sounds awesome. Find that in the New Testament. How can God expect of us what He expects of the early church? But by the way, I'm taking the power away. In other words, we need more flesh in the church rather than spirit. How's that working out in the church? I, know, I hope you're hearing my heart. Read the Bible. Now people say this, you know, the greatest threat to the Word of God is those who oppose it. Not so. The greatest threat to the Word of God is those who claim to believe it but are actually ignorant to what it says. And may I be bold enough to say, when it comes to Holy Spirit stuff and reality of who He is and what He's done, many of the church today are ignorant. We just choose not to read. I mean, I've got statistics. I dare read to you this morning about what our nation and the church believes about the Holy Spirit. And the majority of believers, recent poll, majority of churchgoers today in America reject the notion of the Holy Spirit's existence. 
Yes, God the Father, He's awesome. God the Son, we can deal with. The Spirit stuff, not interested. Why? Because we can't get our head around it. And I understand that, friend. But let me just tell you this. He's not an optional extra. He's for too long been presented as the Holy Spirit, as a blessing from God. How many of you have heard He's a blessing from God? And, and He is. But if that's all He is, then you and I have the, the freedom to reject the, the blessing if we don't want it. I don't want that blessing. I'll have the other blessings. Now, that would be good if He was just a blessing. But you read the Bible and you realize very quickly, He's not just a blessing. He's God. He is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So now, what will we do <laughs> with God the Holy Spirit? And I want to say this. You can trust God the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can't trust people. You can't always trust the evangelists and those who are pushing this truth. But you can trust God the Holy Spirit. Amen. He will reveal, show you. And He's the greatest teacher of the Word of God. Amen. So I challenge you to open the Bible afresh and say, Holy Spirit, the teacher, will you teach me about who you are? Amen. So I can learn, not from a man or from some dude. Or, and I'm not opposing those who have gone before us. I want to be true to the Word of God. Amen. Who are you, Holy Spirit? And would you teach me what you called me to do? Good. Are you there, friend? Amen. He's not an optional extra for deluxe Christians. I know there's some weird stuff, but I want to tell you, He's real. He's in us. He's part of our salvation, but He also wants to take control of some of our lives and help us to live beyond what we can come up with. Amen. It's not a blessing from God. He is God. 2 Corinthians 3.17 Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is right here, right now? Amen. Do you know that He never left this earth? Yeah. Some of us believe, well, I won't ask. Pentecost happened. It's in the Scriptures. If you don't believe Pentecost, you can't believe Jesus died for you. Same thing. Same Bible. So the Holy Spirit has come. Jesus said, wait, you'll receive. Then the book of Acts tells us, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came. But let me tell you, there's a perception that the Holy Spirit's now left and we need Him to come again. And I understand the thinking behind that, but it's not biblical. He never took, God never removed the Holy Spirit. He's still here. The same Spirit that was birthed the early church, friend, is in this place right now. He's everywhere. We don't need Him to come again. We need to acknowledge Him and make space for Him. And that's what 2 Corinthians, uh, what did I just read? Uh, what is it? 317. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So the point is, the Spirit is here. He is here right now. But not everyone in this room is free. Because it doesn't say where He is, you're free. It says when you yield to the Spirit as Lord, Amen. you find freedom. He's everywhere. It's not some friendly Casper guy. I mean, honestly, the teaching today, I realize why we're so afraid of the Holy Spirit, because it's nuts, the preaching. He's not Casper the friendly ghost. He brings this incredible, he's fire. He's like the wind. I mean, friends, I, I'm just, I, I don't have mo. Please go read the Bible. Don't go to your greater teacher and ask what they think. Ask God what he has to say about God the Holy Spirit. That's where we got to be, friend. And I want to tell you, a lot of good people have been wrong in their theology. It's time to come back to what matters. We've been shaken to come back to the things God wants. And one of the things God wants is God the Holy Spirit to indwell in us and for us to see His power manifested, Word and Spirit. Paul said, I didn't come just with Word, but also with power. Yes. And this church has to operate more and more in God's economy if you're going to finish the call He has for you in Word and Spirit. Amen. People say, oh, I, mean, what's, I, I know what the Bible says, but what do you think? No one, I don't, don't care what I think. Yeah, but if we had to choose, like what's more important, word or spirit? And I mean, friend, serious, where, how's it even dividing in the Scriptures? No division there. Amen. They're not in competition. They work hand in hand, word and spirit together. Good. So I've come up with this. People say, oh, what's more important, word or spirit? Well, what's on an airplane more important, the right wing or the left wing? <laughs> Seriously, you answer that and I can answer this. You need both wings. Agreed? And we're getting on an airplane, God willing, this afternoon. I'm telling you, I'm ready to go home to Denver, Colorado. But if it says one wing, I'm not getting on that plane. I don't have enough faith to land where I'm supposed to go with one wing, just so you know. Philip Yancey said, a society that denies the supernatural 
usually ends up elevating the natural to supernatural status. If we deny the supernatural, we take the natural and put it at supernatural status. And the church has done that a lot. We take people of God, preachers, gifted men and women, and we put them at the highest place because we won't acknowledge the supernatural. And every time God will bring them down because your faith can't be in a gift or a person. It's got to be in God himself. Amen. So we say our, our country does that. The church does that too. If you deny the supernatural, then natural things are taking supernatural status. And that's very dangerous. Are you with me? Can I just say this? We don't have to activate the Holy Spirit with all due respect. He does not need activating. He's God. You with me? So when someone says, I'm going to activate the Holy Spirit, I'm telling God, I'm going to activate God. Can you imagine activating God? We don't need to invite Him. He's here. doesn't need an invitation. He's everywhere. You know what He needs? Just to be honored. That's what He wants. Honor Him and watch what He can do. Some, well, I desire the Spirit stuff, but I'm not like looking for the unusual stuff. Yeah, I get that. It's like saying, I'm going to go for a swim and I'm not going to get wet. <laughs> you will get wet if you go swimming. There is some unnatural stuff with the supernatural. But that's what God's given us. Don't go after it, but let, it operate, let Him operate in and through you. I'm nearly finished. Verse 6, he goes on and he says, You became imitators of us. And of the Lord, in spite of severe suffering, you welcome the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Verse 7, and so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. You became a pattern, a model. See, I'm absolutely convinced that God has set this congregation, this church, with how it's been birthed. I know with Jeremy and that great history and all that. But let me just tell you that people in this country and people in this region should be able to look at this congregation, this people, this church, and say, that's something of what it means to be a follower of Jesus in the, today. It shouldn't be that we always have to go to the book of Acts and go, if only we could get back to that. Somewhere we've got to do some growing up and actually become more than the early church was, the birthing of the baby church. And we should be able to point at this congregation and say, they're not perfect. You're not, just so you know. He is, you're not, you're becoming, but you're still not, just whatever. But we could say that's what it means to be a born-again believer today. That's what it means to be impacting the region. Surely that's what God wants of this people. And God said, Paul wrote of that church, you became a model. Not the model, a model. God wants this congregation, you as individuals here, to be a model, a pattern to others. So you've got to be it, not just talk about it. This is about to offend you. The thing we need, one thing we need more than Christian books and Christian movies and Christian music and Christian media and Christian governments and Christian businesses and Christian teachers and Christian schools. We need Christian Christians. More than any of those other things. Because it's easy to deflect and say, if only God says, you're it. You're it. Don't need all that. You just be it. And that's what's going to impact it. People go, oh, that's what it means. Not Christian government. Christian people just being Christians. Verse 8. It says, the Lord's message rang out from you. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Speaking of what? Proclaiming. The word of God rang out. It's become known every Friends, what happens here never stays here. God favors a church that proclaims wherever they go. You know, the early church used to operate, I think, like a lifeboat. Rescuing people wherever they go. But it's like the, today's modern church in America is like the love boat. It's like we're all in it. What's in it for me? I just want to hang out and eat great donuts. And those are good donuts. Are you with me? It's like, what do you got for me? If we go, friend, we are a rescue boat, a lifeboat. We've been called to reach people. The message has got to ring out. Amen. Don't come to church to hear the gospel. We go be the gospel. Go preach the gospel. Go share the gospel. Hallelujah. Charles Spurgeon said it's the whole business of the whole church to preach the whole gospel to the whole world. Amen. <laughs> He also said that every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. He said this, all right? So he's dead, so blame him. 
But he said, you're either trying to spread abroad the kingdom of Christ or else you do not love him at all. He says, it cannot be there's a high appreciation of Jesus and a totally silent tongue about him. He who says he believes in Jesus but does not think enough of Jesus ever to tell another about him is an imposter. <laughs> Don't expect an amen there, but hey, okay, let's move on. And this is the last point. He goes, therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. Verse 9, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn f- to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. They had a, glo- a heavenly, eternal perspective. To wait for the Son of Eternity, Jesus is coming back. Amen. You know, there are, I think, COVID in a sense, because a lot of people were dying from this, and we had, I had family members die. So it, it, I had friends die, and I was like, gee, it suddenly we, for a moment, began to think, actually, this life's not forever. Yeah. Suddenly we better like, live for something bigger than ourselves. And then like, things are a little different now, and we're kind of back to, oh, we're through that, let's carry on with what matters here. And, and I'm just going to tell you, God favors a people who get the revelation His Son's coming back. Amen. Now, I think He's coming soon, and you can come fight me theologically. I'm just saying, if I'm wrong, it doesn't matter. Yeah. If I'm right, well, it, it does matter. Yeah. But I do think He's coming back soon, but I know this, He's definitely coming back. Amen. And every one of us in this room are called to live for that day of the return and beyond this here, life here on earth. Good. Are you still gripped by eternity? Are you making decisions based on eternity, or is it based on what's good for us here? You know, for so long, for so long, and I'm a, I love to preach to people and those who are not saved, I want to throw that out the net often and say this. I keep saying this, like if you were to die tonight, and maybe in this room don't know Jesus, and this is a question you need to answer. We say, if you were to die tonight, where would you spend eternity? And it's not a fearful thing, it's a decision. What you decide today determines where you spend your eternity forever. Eternity is forever. Yeah. That's why it's eternity. And maybe there's some here in this room who need to respond to that. But I want to say to the majority of us who are here this morning, who are probably are saved, as important a question as if you were to die tonight is this. If you wake up tomorrow morning yeah. as a follower of Jesus, who or what will you live for? Good. As important if you die tonight, what about majority of us who will wake up tomorrow? Who or what will you live for? And that's to, not to feel bad. That gives you a context of God is about eternal stuff. Jesus is coming back. C.S. Lewis says we're not made for this life. We're not made. If you find yourself dreaming of another life, it's perhaps because we were made for another life. Amen. But we can't live in that other life. We're called to live here now for the other. This life is a dress rehearsal for the next. Good. This is the dressing room. And we've made it the main thing. Yeah, that's good. And I'm, not, I'm just asking as I'm challenged by this truth. Live daily. With eternal perspective, it matters. Big or small, it matters. What you do matters. What you do matters to others around us, but to God Himself. And this church was gripped with eternity. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. Are you ready for that? But also, are you living for that? Let's pray together. Is that okay, Marco? Are you good? You my friends? You won't see me for another year, I think. And I'm probably two years if you want, I guess. Come to Chicago, you'll see a lot of us. Just close your eyes for a moment. I, again, I don't know everyone in this room. Um, but I, I don't want to presume that we all are followers of Jesus. I mean, just because you're in church doesn't make you a believer. I want to ask, if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, not know of Him, not do you go to church, not are you a Christian, do you know Jesus? You said every time, I actually don't know Jesus. And I want to have the privilege this morning of introducing you to Jesus Christ. The first point we made was priority. Unchanging one. If your faith's in anything or anyone other than Jesus, you're finished, friend. Where does your hope come from? It comes from Christ, the unchanging one. When he died on the cross and was raised from the dead. Death and resurrection. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord. 
believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Confess, Lord, believe in your heart he's raised from the dead. If you haven't done that, or you need to do that, would you just put your hand up this morning? I'd love to pray for you. Is anyone here? Just needs to settle that eternity for you. Anyone here? Thank you, ma'am. Is there anyone else? We're not auctioning God here. We are simply giving a moment to respond to God. There's a lady that's responding. Is there anyone else? To settle this. If you settle, that's great. If it's not, settle it now. All right. That lady, if you wouldn't mind just praying this in your heart after me. Don't say this because I'm saying it. Say this because you're saying this. And if there's other people that need to respond, would you just respond as well? But say, Father God, I thank you this morning that you have revealed Jesus to me. And maybe I don't fully understand all of this, but this I know. I'm a sinner. And I'm in desperate need for Jesus to save me. I confess with my mouth, Jesus, you are Lord of all. And I believe in my heart that you died on that cross and you were raised from the dead. And only because of your death and resurrection can I be saved this morning. Save me. Would you come and take control of my life? I surrender to you this morning. Come be my Lord and Savior. I want to follow you. I turn away from my sin. I repent from and turn away. I turn towards you. I pray you'll fill me with your Holy Spirit that I can live every day for you. Thank you for saving me today. Thank you I'm born again. Thank you I never have to do this again. Today it is settled forever. Thank you, Lord. And just for the rest of us, if you just, I I can't call you out. I'm not going to. I'm going to hand back to Marco. But I... I wonder if you would be bold enough this morning, if God has spoken to you about anything or something that, that needs to respond. It's not about responding to me. It's just a simple acknowledgement to God. Yes, yeah, something needs to change. Or you've spoken and I'm going to do something about it. Would you be brave enough just to put your hand up and say, yeah, that's me, Lord. Challenge me in one area and I need to adjust. Just lift your hand if you need to. Let God see it. God's about doing business, friends. He's not about just sharing things for thought. It's not food for thought this morning. It's a challenge from heaven and God's looking for a response. So Father, you see the hands across this room. These are your sons and daughters. Loved by you, chosen by you, called by you. Whatever they're responding to, will you give them the grace right here, right now? We give them more of you, Holy Spirit. Fill them afresh. Let adjustments be made and decisions be made. And would you empower them to live out what they're changing today? Not in our own strength, not in our flesh, but by your Spirit, that's what you've said. Pray your blessing over these people. Lord, let this church be the church you've called them to be. Not get caught up in size and get caught up in ministries. Caught up with Jesus and the mission. As you make clear the next steps for all these men and women, let they impact Lakeway, impact Austin, impact Texas, impact America and the nations. Lord, please, let this be a going and sending people. Not for the sake of a mission, but for the glory of our King. We bless you this morning. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name.